I'm not sure if this is only me, but I often look back at things that I did as a child, like really young, and I cringe. And not because I was weird, which yes, I was, and I definitely have those stories, but it's more because I was rotten, you guys. I hope I'm not the only one that realizes that sometimes that they were a rotten child, but even if I am, that's okay. Because I realized that as a child, I was extremely spoiled. So I can literally look back at multiple stories, like at least 12, and say, wow, that was really yucky, even for a child. This is one of those stories. I must have been seven years old, and it's the 4th of July. And on the 4th of July, we all used to go to my church and barbecue and pop our fireworks in the church parking lot. So my dad, he went and got me and my brother this big pack of fireworks. It must have been between 50 to 100 bucks easily, all to burn it away in like 30 minutes. But we are at the church, and at the church, there was a men's rehabilitation center called Lifeline. And the Lifeliners had access to that illegal firework goodness, the good stuff. So I'm there popping my little fireworks and I'm looking at the Lifeliners pop those big fireworks that like shake the whole ground. And with each passing firework, I start becoming more and more dissatisfied with my own. And eventually it upsets me to the point where I start wailing and telling my dad, I want the big fireworks. And then all of my fireworks were gone and I was still inconsolable until my mother comes and says something that sobers me right up, even as a child. She said something like, your dad spent all of his money on those fireworks and it hurts his feelings when you say you don't like them. And even as a young child, I recognized that the way I was behaving was mean and ungrateful. But as a young child, all I could see was the fireworks that I did not have access to instead of all of the cool fireworks that I really did have access to. In a similar way, Adam and Eve were given a literal paradise, a land curated for their pleasure, and they were only given one restriction. And instead of focusing on all they had been given, they focused on the restriction. Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Basic Bible Babe podcast. I'm your Basic Bible Babe, Brooke Ashley, and I'm not a theologian, but chances are you aren't either. But you don't have to be one to understand and fall in love with the Bible. So here, the goal is simple, to motivate each other to move past those things that stop us from reading the Bible and to become a people that understand and appreciate the Bible for what it is, incredible. So remember, the Word of God is for you and it's relevant to your life today. Let's dive in. Welcome to my basic Bible babes and bros. Well, the cat is out of the bag. Remember when I took a break for a couple of months? Well, I was working on my latest project, the Settle In live recording album, whatever you want to call it. I'm working on my latest project called Settle In. And in this past couple of weeks, I just announced the live recording happening in September in Los Angeles. And I also announced a merch line for fundraising and the option to donate if you want to be a blessing to that project. I wanted to wear the merch today, but <laughs> it's in the dirty clothes right here. 
So I couldn't do that. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, you notice that I don't have my camera. I couldn't find my uh, memory card. So I'm doing this on my phone today. Yeah, that is why maybe I've been a little bit wishy-washy on posting lately. It's because I have been really diligently working on that project. Um, it's been crazy. So I really want to thank you guys, first of all, for anybody who supported me already and bought any merch or donated or even just said, said something nice to me. Um, I really, truly appreciate it. This process has been amazing in the way that I really feel God in it, but also devastatingly difficult. I cry all the time. I really do. It's just like so hard. <laughs> um, it got so it, it sometimes is so difficult that I struggle with doubting if this is even the will of the Lord. But I've had much encouragement from my friends and family that um, just because something is difficult does not mean that the Lord's hand is not on it. Um, if anything, it means that there is opposition because the enemy probably knows that it's something that is important to to God and to the world and whatever. So, you know, it's it's been a process, but I want to thank you guys for your support. And I also want to thank you guys for being patient with me in regards to the podcast. Um, I I have a full-time job, I which is so difficult right now, you guys. Don't even get me started. It's, it's going crazy at work. <laughs> but I have a full-time job. I have general life. And then I have this podcast that I really care about. I have my church that I really care about. And then I also have this live monumental, in my opinion, for me, milestone of a live recording, the first album I'm ever going to put out. I've put out an EP before, but a full album. Yeah, it's been crazy. So thank you guys for your patience with me. If you want to support this project by donating or by uh, buying some merch, you can go to brookashleymusic.com. You can find that in at the link in either my bio or the Basic Bible Babe bio. You guys, we're discussing Genesis chapter two today. And if you are not reading this book, okay, I want to encourage you to read it and not just to read it, just to read it, but to read it with a curious mind, to go into Genesis really trying to understand the parts that are weird because there are a lot of weird things that you read in the book of Genesis because this is ancient, right? This is ancient text. So as you look at it, things don't look the way that they do now. So you're not going to understand it on a first read. So I encourage you, if you are not reading it, to read it and to read it with a curious and inquisitive mind when you see something that you don't understand to focus on that and say, okay, what is the Lord trying to say here? What is this pointing to? What is the context of this? In the last episode, we discussed Genesis chapter one, where we saw God create the earth in six days and he gave dominion to man. That's definitely an interesting call, giving dominion to man. But now we are at chapter two, and in chapter two, we meet a key player in this chapter, Miss Eve, okay, who kind of gets a bad rep, but who is introduced as the mother of all humanity. What a role. That's something to be remembered by. 
God is finished creating the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, God did something special. You guys probably already know what it is. God rested, which is why we believe in a Sabbath, a day of rest, because God did not need rest. He is God. But what he was doing was he was establishing an example for us. He was establishing a pattern. God knows that you and I need rest to function well. And for some people, including myself, rest can seem like a bonus, like something that if you are able to fit in, that's great. But if not, life goes on and we just have to keep going. But right from the beginning, God is establishing it as a necessity to humanity and not just when you can, but once a week. I think one of the reasons why people can feel out of whack is because they have fallen out of the holy pattern of rest. In this world, we go, go, go. We work all week. So we want to go crazy on the weekend. We have church on Sunday. We serve at our local ministries. So we go out on Saturday and we do something all day. And you'll rest one day maybe in the future, but not now. I don't have the time to do that. And I can tell you right now that I am the number one breaker of this rule. And I wonder why I feel anxious and tired. It's because I was created with a need to rest. So I want you to ask yourself this question. Really ask yourself, is the Sabbath something that you think is important? Is the Sabbath important to me? If so, is there anything that I can cut out to get more rest in my life? I know that this may look different for everyone. Maybe you're a mom or a student with a job. But it is definitely a question worth asking yourself. God rests to set this example, this holy pattern. On the seventh day, God rests. So now we get to Genesis 5. And I want you to listen to this because narratively, we shift the story a little bit because the author takes us back into the creation process to a more narrow view of a part of creation. We got a big picture view in Genesis chapter one, and now we are getting a close-up view. Genesis chapter two, verse five and six says, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. So basically what this is saying is there's no plants because we are missing two things, rain and and man to work the ground. So in this creation process, God seeks to solve these problems. So problem number one, there's no rain. But as you may know, rain doesn't come until the time of Noah, which is approximately a thousand years later. God instead has a mist rise from the ground to water the plants. 
BibleReference.com says, The impression is of an underground stream, the so-called freshwater ocean, which would saturate the land, perhaps on a cyclical basis. This fits the description of upcoming verses of the rivers that water the Garden of Eden and the region around it. It also fits with the farming practices of the Mesopotamian region that relied on cyclical flooding to sustain the crops. So great. Now we have this ancient way of watering our earth without rain. God solved one problem, but now there's another. He needs someone to work the land. So God creates man from the dust of the earth and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living creature. But the word for breath used here is actually the word ruach, which means spirit. God breathed his ruach, his spirit into us. It's more than the air that we take into our lungs. It's referring to our soul, our consciousness, our humanity, something that separates us from every other creation so far because we have been given Ruach of Yahweh. It's like the song, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. It's the breath of God that is living and breathing and moving within us. So when it says that God breathed the breath of life into us, like I said, it's not referring to the air that we're breathing. It's referring to our soul, to our spirit. You and I have the spirit of the Lord living with inside of us. And this officially created man. So now that there's man, God creates a space for man. God creates a garden. It's the perfect oasis with everything that man needs to thrive. Animals and trees with lush fruit. The Bible says that Every tree was pleasant to the sight and it was good for food. They had everything that they needed. Amongst the trees that were created were two very special trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And like we had said, there was a mist that watered the ground and, um, Many interpret this as like a river system, okay? So the Bible says that a river flowed out of Eden to water this garden. And in the garden, it divides and becomes four rivers, Pishon, Gihon, Tigris, and Euphrates. Today, we still know of the Euphrates River and the Tigris River, but the other two, we do not know where those rivers are or if they're even still running like they were in the times of the Bible. And we also don't know where and how these rivers connected and where they led to. These rivers don't connect anymore. There's a lot of fun videos and research speculating what rivers these could be and how that could possibly show us where Eden is now. But the reality is the flood came in and changed a lot of what the earth looked like before it. And also, for as long as God decides, we're not going to find the garden for reasons we will discuss in our studies later, okay? The Lord has put man in this garden and he's given 
him everything he needs to thrive. And he puts man in this garden to work the ground. But at the moment, it's just Adam. Remember, we're looking at a close-up view of what was described to us very broadly in chapter one. God tells Adam, okay, and Adam alone, you can have all of these trees to eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you cannot have because the day that you eat it, you will surely die. Up until this point, man was created to live forever, okay? But the introduction of sin, we'll find out later, will introduce to us death. Adam now has one restriction, one rule to live by. As far as his eyes can see, he has everything he needs for his pleasure and to keep him happy and healthy. But for some reason, okay... It was not enough. Have you ever felt like as a Christian, you have been given so many restrictions, so many things that you cannot do? I remember in high school, sometimes feeling really isolated and naive because all of my friends were doing things that as a Christian seemed off limits to me. And I'm not trying to make it seem like they only did that. Sometimes back then and even still now, I look at the things that were off limits and I reached for them. I reach for the things that I cannot have instead of looking at the vast garden around me and seeing what I can have access to. I have been given everything I need to thrive. Peace, love, joy, self-control, righteousness, forbearance, goodness, gentleness. God is not mean He has given me access to fun, beauty, and laughter and joy. Listen to me again. I want to say this to you very clearly. God is not mean. You, if you are a Christian, you have access to fun and pleasure, everything within his will and ways. And yet our humanity focuses on the tree that we cannot touch. All of a sudden, It's all we can see. So the next time your tree is in front of you and someone makes you feel silly for not being able to touch it, I want you to look around you. Look around at the beauty of this garden. Look around at the beauty of the fruit that the Lord has placed before you and recognize that you have everything that you need. God sees Adam in this vast garden And Adam is beautiful, but he's one of one. He's alone with this big task of naming every animal and working the ground. So God says, that's not good. Adam needs help. It's the first time we have heard God be displeased with his creation, right? He looked at his creation before in chapter one and said, this is good. But now he's saying, this is not good. It's not good for man to be alone. He's not displeased with the creation of Adam, but he's not complete. So God put Adam into a deep sleep and he takes one of his ribs and he makes woman. Then God wakes Adam up and he presents woman to him. And Adam is so pumped, you guys. Adam is like, hubba, 
hubba, okay? But in a much more poetic way. Adam says, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. All right. He says it's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh because he's been looking around at this garden and he's seen all these beautiful animals and he's been in charge of naming them. And they're all different from him. But now there's somebody that's like him there to keep him company, there to give him companionship and Adam to give companionship to Eve. And it's so exciting to him. It's not good for you to be alone. And I'm not just talking about to have a husband or to have a wife, but to have companionship. You were created to have fellowship with other people like you, with other humans, right? It's nice to have a dog, but we need to be speaking and to be fellowshipping with other people. And the chapter ends with this statement from our author, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. So with this final statement, it brings us to remembrance that everything in the garden was the ideal. This was God's plan. One man and one woman starting their own family, choosing one another and becoming one flesh. The world will tell you to sow your oats, that promiscuity is empowering, but there is something about the way in the garden that we have to look back and say, that is the ideal, the way of the Lord, the way that God has established it for us. And you can ask why. Why did God want one man and one woman? Why only one? Why man first? But these are all questions to seek understanding for, not to be afraid of. God is not afraid of your questions. His ways are perfect and can stand up to any logic and any ideal, even your own. And that is Genesis chapter 2. There was so much amazing stuff in there. As I stated before, Genesis is so rich in beautiful ancient history and even mystery. And I love a good research. So I encourage you to do research for yourself. There are many places that as you read, you will probably not understand. Dive deep into those places. Don't just read to check something off of your list. Read to understand what God is telling us. Read to understand God's history. Next week, we will be studying the fall of man and that God-forsaken serpent in Genesis chapter 3. Thank you kindly for your patience with me as I navigate a live recording, a new album, life, and a podcast. Remember, if you would like to support to visit the link in the Instagram bio to buy merch or to donate, no amount is too little and it helps more than you can know. That's brookeashleymusic.com. Follow us on Instagram at the Basic Bible Babe. If you're watching on YouTube, um, I ask you to like this video right now. Don't forget, leave a comment, okay? And subscribe. If you're looking for what to comment, comment on if the Sabbath is something that you think is important. Why or why not? If you haven't already, leave us a rate and review on Instagram. 
And lastly, I want to encourage you today to look at the figurative garden around you. See the beauty in your life given by God, the fruits that have been placed before you for you to thrive and to choose them. Choose to be grateful for God's provision. And I guarantee you, you will thrive.